Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. Now go, cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Hello and welcome into Generally Speaking, Blue Suede Shoes playing us in the very first episode of 2017. Thanks so much for joining us alongside Tyler Springs. I am Brandon Liebhaber. Baseball season, believe it or not, is right around the corner, and this, of course, is the official podcast of the Jackson Generals. We're going to get you ready for the start of baseball season in less than two weeks, believe it or not. Hopefully you remember me. I'm Brandon Liebhaber, third year as the manager of broadcasting and media relations for the Generals. Happy to be back for a third season on the play-by-play and helping out with a number of other things as well. Tyler Springs is to my right, and he'll be joining me all season long. Tyler, how are you? I am swell, Brandon, and delighted to be here joining you for the 2017 campaign. This is my first time in minor league baseball, and I'm psyched to be a part of it. Psyched for the town of Jackson to have a new affiliation and a whole new facet of players and personnel to learn, even though they're coming off a championship season in 2016. A lot happened last year, certainly. You talk about that championship, the second Southern League title ever for the Generals since moving to Jackson in 1998. This is also the 20th season of professional Southern League baseball in Jackson, dating back to that 1998 year when the Diamond Jacks came to town. As you mentioned as well, a new affiliation. The Arizona Diamondbacks will be the parent club for the Generals, third major league parent club in the team's history. It was the Cubs to start for the last 10 years. It was the Mariners, and now the team is moving back to the National League with the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's what we will be focusing on in today's edition of Generally Speaking. But first, since it is the opening episode, let's uh, get everyone up to speed. Hopefully everyone knows me, but Tyler, as uh, you mentioned, you're new here. So why don't you introduce the folks to who you are and what you'll be doing this year? Absolutely. I'll be helping out Brandon doing a lot of media relations and broadcasting work. Pretty much anything that Brandon really shouldn't worry about on a day-to-day basis. That's my job, just making sure that we get on the air, squared away, stuff for the radio broadcast, game notes, uh, website content, putting up a lot of feature stuff, getting you guys behind the scenes with the team, getting you to know these players, these coaches, as they enter Jackson for the first time, because it'll be their first time in town as well. I come from Memphis, Tennessee, where I've been for, I guess, the last eight years now, since starting college there at Rhodes College, graduated back in 2013, and I've been working for a sports radio station there, Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Shout out, WHBQ. They've been great to me, and I've gotten to learn a lot in that time. But I've always been looking for a gig where I could actually be a part of a team's broadcast crew and be with them both home and road, and I've been given a tremendous opportunity here. I come originally from Baltimore, Maryland, so I grew up, as you might imagine, an Orioles fan. Uh, I think I was Cal Ripken for Halloween six years in a row. Wow. So uh, it was a small Not obsession Not quite there. as long as his consecutive game no, streak. No, no, no. I was, I, was, I was trying to emulate him, but, you know, <laughs> being six years old is a little harder to do. But um, it was a great deal of fun, even though a lot of those Orioles squads were just wretched. There was about 14 years straight there where it was really, really bad. But they've been great in recent seasons. But I am psyched to be kind of in the know in the National League. You know, being in Memphis, it was, it's a Cardinals market, and, you had to keep up with a lot of Cardinals information, but this Arizona Diamondbacks club is now not completely new to me, but it was when I found out that was a new affiliate this season. So I'm I'm psyched. You know, they're a club on the rise. You know, they've been they've been a little bit down, but they are definitely uh, an exciting team to follow in the NL West, which is always a battle between the Giants and Brandon's Dodgers. Absolutely, yeah. I am from Los Angeles. That makes Tyler more uh, of a local than me, I suppose. Hopefully. I guess you all remember me. Thirty years, uh, the the broadcaster, play-by-play man for the Generals, and Tyler will be joining me on most every broadcast this year. And of course, you can 
tune in. It'll be the same flagship station, at least on your radio dial, different format, but don't worry. It is Classic Country, Willie 94 FM, and 1390 AM this year. I know and, you were uh, keeping we're up with about uh, that. That's right, we are. And and it's a, it's a great crew over there at Radio Willie. You know, they've, they've changed uh, affiliations, or rather they've changed formats a couple of times, but the people there are still the same, still mm-hmm. great. They've done a great job working with us. I was just going to ask you, highlight of your off-season. Highlight of my off-season? Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, well, I did go back home to Los Angeles, which uh, was nice to uh, get to see some family. Um, winter meetings were fun. We met up there. I mean, that was an awesome experience. That's always one of the highlights of my off-season, getting to go to Washington, D.C., and it's just kind of a baseball wonderland there. You walk around and you see a bunch of different people. Going to spring training a couple of weeks ago in Phoenix was a lot of fun. I'm struggling to think of, uh, I guess this shows how much baseball rules my life. I'm struggling to think of too many non-baseball things that uh, highlighted my off-season. Well, you got a Cal Baptist squad that made their run all the way to the national championship. That's true. That's true. I did some broadcasting for uh, the women's basketball team at uh, California Baptist University. They made it to uh, the final four on the D2 side, actually lost to Virginia Union yesterday. Won't be playing for the title, but a lot of fun to broadcast their games. They were undefeated with me on the call, but they only lost three games all year, so it was... uh, were many games in general uh, that they that they lost. Um, what about you? Uh, how obviously it wasn't really an off season for you or working, but uh, what have you been up to this winter? Well, I got to intern this winter for the Memphis Grizzlies in their media relations department, which has been phenomenal. It's been great to work with the new head coach David Fisdale there in Memphis, trying to make something happen with this core of group, this core group of players that they've had for a little while now: Marcus All, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Mike Conley. People that basketball fans know pretty well. If you're not an NBA fan. I could recommend it to you, but this is a baseball podcast. We'll keep it pretty baseball-centric. <laughs> um, and I also got to, to call some basketball for Rhodes College for their men's and women's teams. The men's team actually had a tremendous year, used a different style of basketball this year than they've ever tried before, and won a conference title with it and went to the NCAA tournament. So those were pretty cool things for me to experience over the wintertime. And um, it's been fun. You know, it's been, it's been really fun. I'm, I've gotten into hoops a lot. It's hard not to if you live in the Memphis area, but uh, it's one of those things that's, I think, still up and coming. You know, the NBA, I would not say, is yet America's sport. I don't even know if it's, if it's bass baseball yet. I think, I think there, there's a lot on both it's sides. Very, it's, it's, very popu- it's, def- it's definitely very popular, but that's certainly a discussion for another show or yeah. another podcast. Um, you know, speaking of college hoops, another highlight certainly in my offseason was seeing my Northwestern Wildcats make it to the NCAA tournament Amen. for the first time. Amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know or remember, uh, I did go to Northwestern just outside of Chicago, graduated in 2014 and uh, from Los Angeles, obviously, spent a year as an intern with the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, a Dodgers filly out there before making my way to West Tennessee, but I've been all over the place. It was very cool to see the Northwestern Wildcats under Chris Collins, the son of Doug Collins, make it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history, the only member of one of the Division One power conferences to have never made it to an NCAA tournament. Maybe you're a Vanderbilt fan if you're tuned into this. Uh, tough first-round game for you guys, Woo. obviously, with that uh, weird foul at the end, Northwestern then giving Gonzaga a run for its money in the second round. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, but anyways, let's get to baseball. Uh, that is the point of, generally speaking, official podcast of the Jackson Generals, AA affiliate now of the Arizona Diamondbacks, thanks to those of you who have tuned in and who have uh, stuck with us blabbering on about our personal lives and off-seasons and whatnot. As we said, three big stories this year in this edition of Generally Speaking. We'll talk about the new affiliation. Obviously, last year's championship is something we'll be celebrating all year long and 20 years of professional baseball in Jackson. That's a big deal as well. But 
The Generals are back in the National League, first of a four-year player development contract with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who had been in Mobile with the Bay Bears in the Southern League. And the Diamondbacks, as you mentioned, Tyler, up-and-coming team. Obviously, they struggled last year, only 69 wins. They traded away Dansby Swanson not too long ago, big prospect, number one overall pick from Vanderbilt. But the direction this team is heading in, certainly, I think, makes uh, people come to the ballpark. It has to make people come to the ballpark happy. You've got Mike Hayes and Amiel Sade really running the show in the front office, two guys that used to be with the Boston Red Sox, an organization that knows what it's doing on the player development side. So I'm excited about what we're going to see here in Jackson. It's a new era for the Generals, and it's also a new era for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I'm psyched. And you'll get a little bit of a Cardinals flavor to it if you include Baseball uh, executive Tony Larusa, who's chief baseball analyst, is his title. But Thank we're you hoping very that much. we might see him this year. That Perhaps. would be awesome. That would be very cool, providing a little veteran wisdom there on the opposite side. But yeah, you know, with Mike Fitzgerald joining them from the analytics department in Pittsburgh, I think it is a forward-thinking crew, which I think has been kind of needed in a place where it's very, very difficult to pitch in Arizona for one. And I think a lot of their prospects, yeah, as you said, kind of disappeared in the Dansby Swanson trade. So there, there is a an element of kind of building up the system there, but. That is a forward-looking club, and I think ready to thrive and get better, make big strides this year. We're looking forward to seeing what they do at the big league level this year. Obviously, some very talented players, Zach Granke and Paul Goldschmidt among them, and some former generals on the roster, something that we talk about a little bit later on the podcast. Taiwan Walker and Cattell Marte traded from Seattle to Arizona in the offseason, and actually it was just announced that Walker will be part of the rotation for the Diamondbacks, which is no surprise. They also have Jack Reinheimer in the organization and Tom Wilhelmson, another former general trying to lock down a spot in that bullpen. But to help people get to know the Diamondbacks, we know, as you said, this is Cardinals country. We did uh, our best to uh, track someone down who knew a little bit something about the snakes, and we got Jeff Weiser, who writes for a fantastic blog, Inside the Zona. That's InsideTheZona.com. Great place to get some Diamondbacks info. You can follow him on Twitter, at OutfieldGrass24. Jeff was kind enough to wake up bright and early in the Valley, well, actually, uh, uh, in the Pacific Northwest is where he lives, though, of course, the D-backs play in the Valley of the Sun. But he was, regardless, kind enough to join us from the Pacific Time Zone early in the morning a few days ago, and we were able to interview him about the Diamondbacks and some of those former generals that are on the squad. So stay tuned and hear our interview with Jeff Weiser to get up to speed on the new parent club in Jackson, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Welcome back to Generally Speaking, official podcast of the Jackson Generals, our first episode of 2017, getting ready for the season. And of course, the Generals are in a new organization. They are now the AA affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks after 10 years with the Seattle Mariners. So we brought on Jeff Weiser of InsideTheZona.com, a great Diamondbacks blog. You can follow him on Twitter at OutfieldGrass24. Jeff, how are you? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Absolutely. We're excited to have you on. So first things first, uh, tell us a little bit about where the Diamondbacks as an organization are right now. Obviously, a lot of changes in the offseason, new GM, new front office. Seems, especially from reading some of your work, that the team is moving in a more analytical direction. Yeah, certainly. I think um, they've, they've gone and uh, this winter really completed a, a total overhaul of the front office and uh, really the the sort of decision-making nucleus of the organization. And so 
they have gone in a different direction. The Diamondbacks have, have long been panned as sort of an old school uh, organization that um, the game was perhaps passing by. And they went out and uh, secured Mike Hazen for their GM position and have really let him run with the position uh, and fill out his staff accordingly, bringing in, um, you know, supporting help from organizations like the Red Sox, where he came from, uh, the Cubs, the Indians, uh, the Pirates. And these are typically, you know, teams that are they're viewed as, as very analytically savvy. So um, they're in a position right now where they're really trying to formulate uh, what direction they're going to go. And the team sits at kind of a crossroads. They're not considered competitive really enough. Uh, to make a big push in the NL West, but they're not exactly a bottom dweller either. Uh, this team has talent, and so they're sort of stuck in no man's land uh, with the budget that's already pretty well maxed out. So uh, it looks like they have kind of two roads. They could uh, play out the first part of the season and see how it goes, and if if they're out of contention, they may start selling pieces. If uh, they get off to a hot start, they could look to add a little bit and try to stay in the race. So uh, it's really an unknown at this point and I don't even think the organization has really made up their mind. I think they're going to, to let it play out a little further. Jeff, this is Tyler Springs, Brandon's assistant here in Jackson. Thanks so much for joining us again. I wanted to start with the Taiwan Walker trade involving Kettle Marte as well, the two uh, pieces that they got back. In terms of getting those guys, both former Jackson generals, what did that say to you early on about the way Mike Hazen wants to do business? I think it made... Uh, some waves kind of in the way that he he values players and he was willing to uh, sell high on Gene Segura which uh, was you know somewhat unpopular Gene Segura was incredibly good for the Diamondbacks last year uh, he had a real resurgence and was actually their most valuable position player um, and so he you know he goes to Seattle Taiwan Walker and Cattell Marte come back uh, the Diamondbacks also lose uh, kind of promising outfielder Mitch Hanniger in that deal uh, reliever Zach Curtis. And I think it kind of says that, you know, uh, Hazen is is a little savvy. Uh, he likes what he sees in Walker. Uh, we've seen Walker make some adjustments mechanically uh, late last year where he kind of found some footing. And then again, this spring, he's changed things up a little bit and he's been incredibly good uh, in camp. So I think he sold high on Segura in order to get some younger, cheaper talent, uh, which, you know, for a team like the Diamondbacks in, in their market with their budget, makes sense it's a very savvy move and one with incredible upside uh, i think i think the mariners will be very happy to have segura but i think the diamondbacks are uh ecstatic to have a guy like taiwan walker in the rotation and you know Cattell Marte is not an afterthought uh he's a young guy and he's had success before he's had a little trouble uh making quality contact consistently but he's so young there's there's reason to think that he still has growth left so uh, very excited to get both those guys back and in, in, in the Arizona system. Interesting picking up uh, Marte. Obviously, Walker fills a big need as the rotation seems like constantly is a, a sore spot for the Diamondbacks playing in Chase Field. But Marte adds to a plethora of guys that can play in the middle infield, not only at the big league level, but throughout the minors, even down to probably Jackson, where we are this year. What do you think the organization's going to do as far as that goes? Obviously, they cleared some space by trading Segura, but there's still, I think, a glut of guys, including another former general in Jack 
Reinheimer. You've got Ildemaro Vargas, who kind of came out of nowhere as an indie ball player. Then even, you know, down the pipe, guys like uh, Domingo Leyva and Dawel Lugo. But even at the big league level, of course, you know, Chris Owings, uh, Brandon Drury. Seems like there are a lot of guys who play similar positions in the organization right now. Absolutely. The team has really had this um, this revolving door at shortstop. And uh, a few years back, they made the decision to go with Chris Owings over D.D. Gregorius, and they've seen Gregorius blossom in New York. And then last year, uh, they had, you know, the well, in, in the previous offseason, they had the chance to, uh, you know, really continue to build around Dansby Swanson, but then uh, sent him packing. So, uh, it's it's kind of created this this vacuum where there are a lot of candidates, as you mentioned, really trying to fill that void. I think you know Domingo Leva is a guy that, that that can play shortstop, but is probably better suited at, at second base. Um, Jack Reinheimer is a guy that, in, in kind of the scouting community, that a lot of us really like. Um, he does all of all of the things well. You know, he fields his position well. He has a quick release. He doesn't have the most range, but he has a good arm and a quick release defensively. Um, I like the line drive, simple stroke uh, at the plate. I think he'll make enough contact. He's he's not going to be a slugger by any means, but you know I think he can provide enough offense to kind of justify um, you know his position. And he he may never blossom into a you know into a world class player, but I think he can be a role player for the team. And then at the big league level, I mean, right now they're they are. Um, said to be kind of actively shopping Nick Ahmed, who looks to be fully healthy and recovered from a hip injury he suffered totally late last season. I totally forgot to mention him, and obviously he's a plus-plus defensive player at shortstop. Absolutely, and we've, we've just waited for years for the bat to come around and never has. And, and what's what's unique about him a little bit is he does, he does really kill left-handed pitching, but um, that's really the short side of a platoon. And so he's going to, you know, if, if he ends up getting dealt um, – you know, that will that will certainly free up some space. Ildemaro Vargas has been very impressive this spring. He's played all over the diamond and has looked fantastic. Um, another guy who's more of a useful role player than 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 an impact player. Um, but they certainly have options. And, and it does look like Chris Owings will, will take the opening day shortstop job. Um, he may see some time in the corner outfield, depending on how some things shake out. But I think we'll see him primarily at short. And it looks like Drury kind of has a second base job locked up. So um, those guys all those guys have upside and, and they may, you know, kind of come into their own and kind of solidify the position. But as you noted, there are a ton of guys, you know, a level or two below that are really vying for that uh, those same jobs. And so I think this just continues to play out for a couple more years. And, and even on the even on the long the, the long view, um, they've got a kid down a rookie ball named Jazz Chisholm that they signed out of the Bahamas here uh, like a year and a half ago. And uh, he had a fantastic debut and looks like one of the Diamondbacks' best prospects. So there, there are, there's no shortage of, of candidates to fill these positions. Yeah, real quick, uh, I actually got a chance to see Jazz in spring training in a minor league game. He looks like 150 pounds soaking wet, but he hit the ball a lot farther than uh, I would have expected. He had a home run actually in a minor league game between uh, preliminarily, I guess, the AA and AAA teams that we don't expect to see him. But, yeah, I think he's certainly someone we can uh, look to – see down the line and who uh diamondbacks fans probably have high hopes for yeah they get him um, on a major league diet hopefully he's yeah, gonna exactly. be just fine i would think uh we're talking with jeff weiser at outfield grass 24 and writer for inside the zone covering the arizona diamondbacks jeff i wanted to get into the other half of that 
Walker and Marte trade, which is the starting pitching for the Diamondbacks, which has been a bit of a booby trap in the last couple of years. Obviously, the Dansby Swanson trade looms large with how Shelby Miller performed last year, but hopefully that is an anomaly and not the norm. I know they've got, obviously, a number of guys in the mix for the rotation at this point. You wrote a little bit in the offseason about who you feel like would fit best in the bullpen. Has your thinking changed at all from perhaps sending Archie Bradley to the bullpen? Not really. Um, if anything, I think that's been solidified just in the sense that, um, you know, Robbie Ray has kind of had his ups and downs, but he's not leaving the rotation. Uh, Zach Granke is obviously there and Taiwan Walker is going to get his starts. They've invested in him and they'll give him every chance to succeed. Uh, the remaining two spots really are, are up for three guys, and that's Shelby Miller, Patrick Corbin and and Archie Bradley. And you know, Miller has been um, has been solid this spring. The results haven't always been fabulous, but he has looked good. Um, we've seen velocity reports up to 97 and even touching 99. Uh, his stuff seems to kind of be back. He's reported that sort of his his mental space is is cleared and and he just feels like he has kind of a, a new lease on life with the new regime and and, and a new season ahead of him. Uh, and he's. Shelby Miller is only 26 years old. I mean, he's not, he's been around a while, but he's, he's not an old guy by any means. And Patrick Corbin has looked fantastic this spring. Um, you know, the elbow doesn't seem to be giving him any trouble at all. He's throwing his slider a bunch, which pairs very well with both of his fastballs. And, um, that combination for him, you know, the, the fastball slider is, is a, is a deadly combination for him. And he struggled a little bit last year getting ahead of hitters, but he's, he's done a better job of that this spring. And it really just kind of leaves Archie Bradley as the odd man out. Um, Bradley's biggest issue is that he just has two pitches. Uh, he has a fastball and a curveball. And he, you know, while he can mix in a changeup, the changeup hasn't been good for him at all. Um, and he can throw a cutter or a sinker, but he is very reluctant to do so and almost never throws them. So one can kind of see that fastball, you know, maybe tick up a little bit out of the bullpen and he's got that hammer curveball and those two pitches might be, uh, you know, really, really good for him in a, in a relief role where he doesn't need to try to save pitches or, you know, focus on trying to pitch super efficiently to turn the lineup over. He can just go out, throw as hard as he can and, um, you know, use those two pitches to get guys out. So I think that's probably where it lands. Um, but you know, we still have some time left and, you know, knock on wood, no one's been really, you know, the Diamondbacks have been relatively fortunate in the injury department, uh, aside from A.J. Pollock, uh, who's, who's nursing kind of a strained groin. Um, but the pitching staff is held up. And so if, if that remains the case, I, I think Bradley just kind of, you know, just doesn't end up with the spot at the end of the day. You talked about it a little bit. The Diamondbacks are in an interesting position because you've got some good young talent. There's a core certainly in Arizona, you know, with Paul Goldschmidt, A.J. Pollock, Zach Ranke, now Taiwan Walker, uh, Robbie Ray. So there's some talent there, and obviously a lot of people had high hopes for the team last year. At the same time, they're in a National League West competing with some big money teams like the Dodgers and the Giants. So what is your kind of conception of where this team is now and especially uh you know how that might affect us in the minors because right now obviously the system is ranked on the lower end thanks to some trades that the previous administration uh had dealing away prospects but it doesn't seem like there's going to be an influx of talent in the minors i i get the feeling especially with just year two of zach granke that mike hazen and co are going to let things ride 
Yeah, and I think they will. Um, I think they'll let things ride, you know, probably into June, I think, uh, and probably through June, to be honest. I, I think they'll give this thing about three months to kind of, you know, find out what exactly they have, unless they get off to some kind of, you know, horrific start. Um, and, and so, you know, kind of in the NL West, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are, are clearly at the top. The Giants kind of slot in behind them. And, you know, it's kind of a depending on which you know sort of projection system you want to look at. The Diamondbacks and the Rockies are sort of neck and neck for the the third spot in the division, with you know the Padres, uh, you know, bringing up the rear. So uh, it's an it's an interesting position to be in, and it, it's one where you know even if they outperform those projections, if if you're an optimist and you think this team is better than what they're being projected as, you know, them being better by five or six games. Uh, still leaves them on the outside looking in, that would not nearly be enough to really get them into the wild card, you know, picture. So they would really need to sort of outperform their projections by like 10 wins, which is a very tall order. And in fact, if if they decide to pull the plug on this thing, you know, midway through the season and start, you know, trying to to shop players and, and trade and and really uh, bring that influx of talent, which has been an organizational priority and is something that uh, the front office is, you know, uh, trying to do. Um, they, you know, could conceivably drop far off that pace in the second half. So uh, I, I do think that that we will see um, we will see more talent come. I think, you know, uh, fans in Jackson will will see kind of, you know, that sort of that sort of double A, you know, high A, double A player be the type of player they look for in return. Guys that are a little ways off, but I, there could be some midseason acquisitions that that do actually inject some new talent kind of into the uh, into the middle and sort of upper end of the uh, farm system. So there could be some names and, and, and it could make for some real intrigue down at those levels where, you know, maybe maybe they do. uh you know, find a way to eat some money and move as that Granky and bring someone back or, you know, uh, everyone cringes when we think about trading Paul Goldschmidt. But if you look at what uh, the the White Sox got for someone like Chris Sale, um, you know, you could see a, a big influx of talent if they go that route or, or trade an A.J. Pollock or something like that. So it's still kind of wait and see. But, um, you know, even Jackson's roster could be, you know, impacted come midseason. Yeah, and that's one thing that I, I wanted to talk about. What is the system looking like now from your perspective? Seems like Anthony Bond is the top prospect, a guy who could have an impact on the rotation at some point this year. We talked about the middle infield depth. What's your sense of where the system is right now before any of those potential moves? And the team that we could see in Jackson, well, as I said, the organization isn't ranked highly by most of the publications. Visalia, the high aid team who we should be importing some players from, uh, last year did win 81 games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's definitely, you know, I think the the issue with the system is that it lacks sort of that top end talent. Um, there's really no one in the system who's projected to be um, perhaps, you know, a major difference maker. And even even an Anthony Bonda, you know, looks more like a, a solid number four. Uh, or number five starter in the majors rather than, you know, uh, an ace or a, a number two or even a mid rotation guy. So um, when your top, you know, when your top prospect is more of a, a back end starter, uh, that sort of foreshadows, you know, everything below. And so I, I think that 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 really is the the big hiccup with the system is that it just lacks that that impact talent. Um, so that could be tough. But but as you mentioned, you know, the Vaselia team was very successful. And I know some of those guys, uh, 
you know, receive those promotions, uh, like a guy like Taylor Clark, you know, was able to reach double A. You saw Dowell Lugo and Domingo Leba come up. Um, and, and, you know, you saw a guy like Banda start there and then work his way up. So I, I do think that, that there's a there's a chance that a few more guys earn sort of those um, those midseason promotions. And and there's a lot of solid depth. And the, the Diamondbacks have had a lot of success in the minor leagues in terms of winning ball games, And so I think, you know, maybe even more than some organizations, they prioritize um, really building kind of a, a winning culture at the minors. Um, they seem to, and Mike Bell will speak to this, that, that they, they seem to really feel like, um, you know, winning is winning and they want guys used to winning. And so they will remain, you know, I think very competitive. And, and even in Jackson, I think you're looking at an opening day roster that's going to have some talent on it. So, um, you know, how many levels some guys can climb, you know, it just kind of depends on how they get out of the gate this year. Um, but they will, you know, kind of make every effort to put a very competitive product on the field. I'm a little more curious about the pitching depth in the minor leagues, Jeff. I know obviously you've got Bonda, but I want to know if there's going to be any perhaps left-handed infusions into the system because it seems like below Bonda, below maybe Alex Young, who's coming out of TCU and coming up from Visalia this year, likely to double A, there doesn't seem to be a lot of pitching depth, at least among left-handers, behind those two guys. That's an area where I've sort of circled and said, hey, if this is an area where it seems like the system is weak, maybe we're going to lose some infield depth to getting back southpaws in return. Do you feel like that might be a direction that they go? It could be. Um, they are very right-hand dominant. Um, they they really have been throughout the minors, um, and, and that is is kind of an issue. Um, they did use a they did use a uh, a draft pick on a lefty named Mac Lemieux uh, in the last draft. Who uh, scouts like he's um, he's got a big curveball and um, you know can 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 kind of you know s- slowly starting to kind of run it up there a little harder. So. I think, you know, he shows some promise, but he's a ways off. Um, and uh, left-hander Cody Reed has has been sort of an enigma. He was drafted in the second round here back in, I want to say, 2014 out of an Alabama high school and was a big velocity guy in high school. Um, but upon reaching the, you know, reaching the minors has really sort of dialed it back and has dealt with injuries. And, um, you know, his reports have been very mixed. And he was actually shut down uh, partway through last season. But I think he's a guy that could reach Jackson this year. Um, so, so left-handed, left-handed pitching is an issue. Um, and I don't think it's one that has an immediate answer. I don't see, um, I don't see a ton of guys really lined up to kind of fill that role. And so, you know, as you noted, maybe that becomes an organizational priority where they look for some balance. I mean, there are some promising right-hand arms. Um, you know, Brad Keller is a guy that I love. I mean, I saw him in his, um, in the Arizona league right after he was drafted. And, and it's just a guy that pounds the strike zone and, and throws strikes and, um, you know, relies kind of on a heavy sinker to kind of get the job done. But, but he's, uh, he's got some promise and, and a guy like Taylor Clark, you know, really can, you know, maybe has the opportunity to kind of shine. Um, I do think Alex Young has, has kind of had some issues in the development process. His stuff is kind of backed up and he's not throwing as hard as he did at TCU. Um, he was primarily a reliever for TCU before his junior year where he moved into the rotation. And so, um, you know, there's some thought perhaps that he's still kind of adjusting to this larger workload. Um, so he's probably your next best bet in terms of a, a starter from the left side. But 
but it's very, very thin. And, and I would not be surprised at all to see them kind of go that direction. That said, I mean, they do have some controllable assets at the major league level from the left side in Robbie Ray and uh, Patrick Corbin. So it's not like the it's not a pressing immediate need, but sort of looking on the horizon, it's a place where they could use some depth. We're certainly looking forward to what the Diamondbacks as an organization do this year with the new front office, both at the major league level and down here in Jackson. Jeff Weiser taking the time to join us. We really appreciate that. You can read his work at InsideTheZona.com. Fantastic blog about the Diamondbacks and follow him on Twitter at OutfieldGrass24. Jeff, I wanted to ask you one last question. Uh, how did OutfieldGrass24 become your Twitter handle? Oh, man. Um you know, I actually started uh, my very first blog was was titled The Outfield Grass. And so okay. uh, it was a, a branding move, if you will, uh, in the, <laughs> Gotta in keep the, the early stages. brand strong. Yes, absolutely. And and I don't think anyone uh, besides like my aunt ever read <laughs> the blog. But, uh, you know, that, that's where it came from. Very cool. Is the 24 Ken Griffey Jr. or? Yeah. Okay. Yep. You, you got it. I grew up a Mariners fan. So yeah. You know, it's Griffey North. all the way. Had that West, yeah. So we can we can actually unretire 24 here in Jackson now because the Mariners had that retired all throughout the system, uh, but now 24 I guess is open again uh, for the Generals. But interesting to know. Thank you so much, Jeff. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. You just heard it at outfieldgrass24 and read insidethezona.com. We look forward to speaking with him throughout this season. But he took the time to speak with both myself and Tyler, and we really appreciate it. Thanks so much jeff thanks guys great interview with jeff weiser thanks again to him for taking the time to join us here on generally speaking official podcast of the jackson generals Thanks for sticking with us and learning a little bit about the new parent club. We are excited about seeing which prospects we get from the Diamondbacks. As we mentioned in the interview, 81 wins for Visalia, the high A team for the Diamondbacks last year, should be a solid club here in Jackson. We'll see when rosters get announced over these next few days. But to finish off, generally speaking, we've got a segment that we came up with. We're going to call it Baseball Battles for now. Maybe we'll toy with it and uh, you know see if we get any feedback on it but we'll ask some different kind of baseball related questions Tyler and I will each pick a, a different answer and then you can sound off and tell us which one of us you agree with or more than likely if you disagree with both of us that's fine too at Jackson Generals on Twitter you can also email us at Jackson Generals broadcast at gmail.com always happy to hear your input really it's just good to know that people are listening yeah it is <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know we're hopeful we're, we're hopeful. hopeful yeah you know? I mean I, I, I know my mom will listen because I'll send her the link but hopefully we've got some other people as well I will send it to my brother I guarantee you I will get a response alright so that's two listeners we've got we'll see who else uh, for those of you who uh, sound off but anyway it is almost the beginning of baseball season. Spring training coming to an end. Hard to believe that opening day is right around the corner, both in the majors and the minors. So my baseball battle question today, Tyler, is what is the best part about the calendar turning over towards April and into baseball season? What do you like most about the beginning of baseball season? Well, I'm a little bit biased because I'm going to mention something that happens only once every four years, but I have really tremendously enjoyed this World Baseball Classic. I think a lot of people are unfortunately not able to see it because it's on MLB Network, which is a cable channel that a lot of folks 
don't get, but those of you who've been able to watch Team USA, Team Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, all those power squads in this field, I think have really come to enjoy it. MLB Network did a great job covering it, but the enthusiasm for those guys, exactly. I think, is such a higher level than it would be in spring training if these were just sort of lame duck games in Florida, in Arizona, which is a shot at spring training if you if you want to make it out that way. But really, I think it speaks well for the WBC, the energy, the emotion. Go online, I encourage you, look up some of the Team USA and, and highlights from other games as well. But that has really brought out a lot of baseball excitement in me. Honestly, when I go to the ballpark and I find myself at a baseball field, the first thing I feel like I do is sniff the air. And some of the things that I really enjoy about it are there's a little bit of a, a grimy smell of the dirt, especially when they've watered it down. But if you can smell a hot dog or a soft pretzel coming just wafting to you from about 15 feet away from the vendor behind the Little League field or from the vendor in the concourse in a major league stadium, that to me brings back a lot of baseball season. Peanuts, maybe the smell of like a beer if you're in the upper decks in a, in a ballpark. Those kinds of things are, are really what would make the stadium experience and baseball season exciting to me. But Man, if you just get to go out and see a ball field and just see people taking ground, especially little kids with their with their baseballs, just starting starting to throw with their dads and That's stuff. What's all about? We saw one the other day at, outside a uh, uh, University of Memphis game, just pitching to her dad uh, for you know for like five good minutes. Kids getting, I think, into it really is is one thing that I really love to see. Yeah, certainly. Uh there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to baseball season. And the WBC, I agree, was great. Only once every four years. Hopefully it'll be as good four years from now. But I really think this was a watershed year for the WBC. We saw a lot of viewers tune into it. I think they set a record in attendance. And Over a million. It seemed like people were more into it than ever before. And there were some former generals in there. Edwin Diaz closing for Puerto Rico. Emilio Pagan got to pitch in the final for Puerto Rico, though the Puerto Rico team did lose to the Americans. Tyler O'Neill was in the lineup batting middle of the order right behind Justin Morneau for Team Canada. So those are guys certainly we'll be keeping an eye on. And, uh, yeah, the smells certainly a big part of it. Uh, for me, when I think of smells, it's usually walking by the dugout and getting a whiff of pine tar. Yeah. Um, but, no, the hot dog's always a great smell, letting you know baseball season's around the corner and the freshly cut grass as well. My favorite thing with the beginning of baseball season is somewhat related to that, but, but but it's more just the time of the year. It makes me happy because you can get out of the seasonal depression that is winter, especially if you're in a colder part of the country. But even in Tennessee, we've had some, you know, freezing days in the not-too-distant past here. And now, all of a sudden, I'm looking at the calendar, I'm looking on my phone, and the weather is going to be bright and sunny. It's going to be in the 70s. It's springtime, and, you know, for me... It hasn't been that long since I was in school. That means that it's almost summer break and, you know, I can go home and, you know, do whatever it is I'm doing during the summer. But that means a baseball game every night. And that's, I think, the best part about it for me. I mean, if you're a huge basketball fan or a football fan, that's great. But you can't go home every night and watch baseball. And for me in L.A., that meant, you know, watching the Dodgers with Vin Scully. And I could do that every single night pretty much over the course of the summer, and hopefully some of you guys will tune in to uh, us every once in a while here in Jackson. But really, it's just the time of the year. Baseball, to me, signals that things are looking up. It, it, you know, after you've had a hard winter, you know, you're more than halfway through the school year. Winter, if you will, is kind of the, the hump day of seasons. Yes. And so now you get into springtime, and, uh, you know, so it's just it just makes me happy. It brings a smile to my face because when regular season baseball is starting to be played, that means that there's a lot to look forward to. It means that spring's in the air, summer's around the corner, 
And, uh, you know, it's just the perfect schedule for me because as, you know, baseball ends and it's fall and it starts to get a little bit colder and you got to hunker down and get ready for school or work or whatever that is. But it's just a great time of year, uh, and that's what I like most about the start of baseball season. So let us know uh, who you think uh, won this baseball battle, if either of us did. Uh, at I totally Jackson won that. Generals. Totally won that. We'll see. We'll see. We'll let the people decide. So, um uh, but you know, maybe and I'm, also on on Gmail. Yeah, right? exactly. Jackson Generals Broadcast at Gmail or let us know what you think is the best part about baseball season starting. Of course, start of the 2017 season is right around the corner. We will keep you up to date here on Generally Speaking, but be sure to check us out online at JacksonGeneralsBaseball.com. Hopefully, you can catch a game if you're in West Tennessee, or you can listen to us on Willie Radio at 94 FM, 1390 AM in Jackson. You can also listen online via the TuneIn Radio app. Thanks so much for joining us for the first edition of Generally Speaking in 2017. So excited for the start of the season. Thank you to Jeff Weiser for joining us and teaching us a little bit about the Arizona Diamondbacks. That'll just about do it. For my broadcast partner, Tyler Springs, I am Brandon Liebhaber saying so long. We'll see you next time on Generally Speaking. We got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout. We've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. I'm going to Jackson, I'm gonna mess around. Yeah, I'm going to Jackson, look out Jackson Town.